0: As always, I'm your host, Fulton, joined alongside my co-host, Hayden Williams. Well, let me kick it over to you now, you can give your rundown on what we got in tune for today's show. Alright guys, well, we got a lot in store for you
1: today. Um, of course, starting off, we've got a big weekend coming up with the uh, AFC and NFC Championship. Yep. As well, uh, we do know we have the All-Star Game that was announced, starting rosters have been announced, maybe some snubs, I don't know. Um, LeBron had some interesting things to say about Greg Popovich. Was it a shot at... Well Jackson. Oh, Jackson. I don't know. Um, Floyd Mayweather takes another shot at Conor McGregor. <laughs> what is he going to say this time? As well, AD talks possible landing destinations should he not get picked by the Vikings to continue another uh, contract year. Why don't you say we get started? Yeah, let's dive right into it. Let's go. All right, so first let's kind of kick it off over into our headlines here. Um, the NBA All-Star Game announced their starting rosters this week, and a lot of the headlines that we're making this week... Was that one of the biggest snubs? I wouldn't. This isn't necessarily consider him a snub, but I mean, he still made the roster. He's just not a starter. Yeah. Russell Westbrook. Uh, what do you take of
0: that? Yes. I mean, is it really considered a snub? I mean, if you actually don't make the starting roster, I mean, the whole point is you know just to be there. I mean, you got voted in, just not as a starter. So I don't really say it's a snub, but I mean, a guy that's averaging a triple double this season, I do believe that he should have been in the starting lineup. So, and it's a snub him not being in the starting lineup, but, I mean, he, he is still going to the All-Star game. So, he, I mean, he's averaging
1: 30.6 points a game, 10.6 rebounds and 10.4 assists. These are the official stats that so, wasn't enough, enough to earn him a starting spot over Steph Curry and James Harden.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's he's had a phenomenal season so far. I mean, if you look at it, I believe I saw a stat. The starting five of the for the Western Conference All-Stars, I think, believe, have a total of fifteen triple doubles, and him by himself has twenty-one. I mean, that's that's an amazing I mean, incredible stat right there in itself. So, I mean,
1: also side note, there's one player that is not going to be making the All-Star game this year, and he's actually retired. Tim Duncan, Shout Shout out, number twenty-one. <laughs> um, so let's kind of take a look at who did make the starting roster for the. Uh, NBA uh, All-Star game. This crop starters includes um, one first-time NBA All-Star, Giannis, um, and Tekon Numpo, I believe. Uh, Milwaukee Buckstar is one of the league's most entertaining players. I believe me and you have actually been checking him out in our fantasy basketball. Yeah, the
0: Greek Freak is what he's known as in Milwaukee and pretty much all over the NBA. That guy's a, a young stud, man. That guy's a killer. He's He's barely coming into the fold this year. He's been good the past couple of seasons, but this year he's actually, you know, been more of a show-off. I don't want to say show-off, but he's... He's, he's, he's him, a great talent. He's a great yeah, player. He, he's put himself out there more. Um, you know, he knows how to dunk the ball. He knows how to ditch the ball out. He knows how to score. You know, he really knows how to do everything. That guy is crazy. It's right. I mean, you don't really see too many stars coming out of Milwaukee, but he's definitely one of them.
1: All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and read over the Western Conference starters. I'm going to have you read over for the uh, Eastern Conference starters. So out of the West, we've got, uh, starting at the guard position, Steph Curry. Uh, nice. Of course, this is his fourth all-star appearance for the Golden State Warriors. At guard, also we've got James Harden of the Houston Rockets. This is another player that beat out Russell Westbrook. Um, Front court, we've got Kevin Durant, Golden State Warriors, making his eighth appearance in the NBA All Star Game. Kawhi Leonard, San Antonio Spurs, our own, making his second appearance in the NBA All Star Game, and the front court uh, finale of Anthony Davis of the New Orleans Pelicans. And who do we got starting in the
0: East? All uh, right, guys, uh, starting here for the East, we have uh, starting with uh, our guard, our two guard positions. We have Kyrie uh, Irving from the Cleveland Cavaliers. It is his fourth all-star appearance. Uh, also following him at the guard position is uh, DeMar DeRozan. He's having a great season for the Toronto Raptors. This is his third all-star appearance. And in the front court, no surprise, leading the way for them is uh, LeBron James of the Keevan Uh 13th NBA all-star appearance for him. So, I mean, he's he's pretty much a, a lock every pretty year. Much you, you, year. yeah. yeah. And then uh, rounding out the front court, uh, the Greek freak we were just talking about from Milwaukee. They said this his first. And then uh I mean, leading, not his last either. Oh uh, definitely not his last. And uh following up we have uh, Chicago Bulls player, uh, Jimmy Butler. So I mean seems like pretty good solid uh starting lineups
1: for each of the All Star teams. I would not complain with that. And typically the NBA All Star games, the uh the head coach of this is going to be the the coach with the leading record of the East and the West, right? Yeah. So Right now, I think the Spurs are only a game and a half, if not a game, behind the uh, Golden State Warriors here. But which leads us into our next topic here, being on the NBA, Ron James has some interesting words to say about Greg Popovich. Um, He's faced him in three NBA Finals. You know, know, they did have our number one year. I don't know if you can say they had our (laughs) number, but uh, Saturday night, he will play his 24th regular season game against them, not to mention... Um, the uncountable number of Spurs games he's watched. Uh, in other words, the Cavaliers player, LeBron James, has had plenty of time to form an opinion about coaches he's faced yeah. and coaches he's played against. He had this to say about Greg Popovich. Let's take a listen. coach of all time. I said that over and over and over. I got to be able to do what he's done in the era of basketball where it's changed so much and he's been able to have a growth mindset and be able to change with the game. It's just to continue to build around Timmy and Manu and Tony and bring pieces in, in and out throughout you know, his whole tenure. And you know, it went from a league where it was like inside, outside, like every time you bring the ball down, throw it to the beat. But knowing then it goes to like every time down, pick and roll and well, then it goes to like every time Val shoot a three. and Jesus <laughs> has <laughs> been able to adjust every single time and still for some odd reason keep those guys under the radar I don't... So once again a great compliment from LeBron James on uh, Greg Popovich uh, which leads me into the question is Greg Popovich the greatest coach of all time?
0: Well he's definitely in the conversation I mean there's a lot of people that are you know, could be considered one of the greatest coaches in NBA history. Um, I mean, he's definitely in the conversation. As a Spurs fan, you know, I would say yeah. But, I mean, there's other people you got to consider me. Phil Jackson. I mean, Larry Johnson. You know, Pat o- uh, Pat Riley. I mean, there's a lot of coaches that you need to consider in this conversation. I mean, if you were to do uh, a, you know, a Mount Rushmore of greatest coaches, he'd definitely be on there. But you could argue... If he's the best or not, I mean, it's not, it's still a good compliment on the I'm probably biased. I'm, you know, of course I'm a huge Spurs fan. I know you are. Yeah. Which
1: is kind of hard to see not putting Greg Popovich as your number one. But um, Greg Popovich is a mastermind of the NBA. Mm-hmm. He didn't live off the triangle offense. He adapts to the game. And he is, you know, he, he's a mastermind of the NBA. You yeah. know, he, he's an architect, is what he is. LeBron James has said that he makes good players fly under the radar constantly. Danny Green, Patty Mills, Simmons, Simmons. I mean, these players, you wouldn't even know about them, and some of you probably don't even know about them, but Popovich makes them great, and that's what makes Popovich special. So I think when LeBron James says this, it's truly, you know, it's a tribute to... What Popovich has been able to accomplish in his career coming from a player of LeBron James caliber, considering the coaches that he's played for?
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, oh yeah, if you come from LeBron James, you know, he's always said that he's always wanted to, uh, you know, he actually looks forward. Last year when uh, Greg Popovich got announced as Team USA uh, coach for this upcoming or next coming Mm -hmm. Olympics and stuff like that, he'll be leading the way for the USA men's basketball team. LeBron said he, he looks forward to being coached by Greg Popovich. He says it's a great honor. He goes, he definitely looks something he looks forward to doing. He always said he always want to be coached by Greg Popovich. So.
1: On to our other Spurs news. If you were watching the game the other night, uh, Paul Gasol, Spurs center, had surgery on his hand. is happened definitely after fracturing the fourth metacarpal on his left hand. Uh, sources from ESPN have confirmed. Um, it was reported earlier that he had fractured his foot, uh, in warmups. It was his hand. Um, Suffered an injury after colliding with a teammate, Kyle Anderson, during the warm-ups prior to the Spurs' home game against the Denver Nuggets, of which they won, um,
0: but also lost. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Paul Gasol, you know, he was still getting acclimated to the Spurs' system. He'd have really good nights. He'd have some off nights, but I think this hurt. This doesn't really hurt the Spurs as much, so they got some other bigs to take his spot. Uh, it's like a man would be uh, taking his spot. It looks like, but I mean, it hurts. Gasol more, because he's still trying to get acclimated to the Spurs system. I um, mean, I think roughly they said it takes about six to eight weeks recovery time. So, I mean, that's, I mean, six, six, six weeks, six to eight weeks, that's about two months. So, that takes him into, most likely, March. So, he has like pretty much a month and a half to get ready before playoffs when he comes back. So, I mean, it's, it definitely hurts Gasol more than it hurts the Spurs, probably. Well, I mean veteran david lee is going to be the
1: backup i mean david lee he you know he once was a nice little crown figure in the uh the nba and he's still not a bad player i don't think these spurs are going to falter much because of paul gasol's injury uh again greg popovich is a mastermind of the craft of being able to coach around injuries you know manu ginobili tim duncan tony parker i mean they will They will survive, and they have survived, and I I think they'll get around this. And, and Greg Popovich and the coaches, they do a great job of getting everybody ready and knowing what plays to run, so I don't think I don't think that they're going to take any stats. Like I said, st-
0: it's going to hurt Gasol more than it's going to hurt the Spurs as a team. So, I mean, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, we, you know, we'll see how it plays out. He does lead the uh, Spurs with
1: 45 blocks on the team. Whether or not that makes a difference on the Spurs' defensive efficiency you know,
0: it's- but going back to where we started on Popovich, with him being the great mastermind he is as a coach, I'm pretty sure he'll find a way to work around uh, Gasol's absence. So should be interesting to see how they do without him.
1: Yeah, it, it will be interesting
0: here. So um, moving on to some more boxing
1: news. I'm not sure if you've been paying attention or if you watched <laughs> our last podcast. For Mayweather, of course, we know he turned down Dana White's um, little $25 million fight uh, offer. But he also took a jab at Conor McGregor saying, look at your net worth, look at my net worth. I got my 650 plus million,
0: whatever maybe you've got you know, your 2.5 or whatever. Um, he says when you reach, when it pretty much he said when you reach 25 million as your net worth, then you can request 25 million as your, I guess would be his part of the, he would get on that fight if they ever were to fight, which was a nice little jab saying that he pretty much, can't touch him as as far as money-wise in that sense. This fight,
1: or not this fight, but the the talk of Conor McGregor and Floyd Mather seems to be picking a lot more steam as the weeks progress. What once turned into a pay-per-view pipe dream, you know, seems to kind of be coming to fruition. Yeah, it's, I mean, it'd be interesting. I think it
0: all, I mean, everyone's first, like, it was all talk when it first happened, but I think ever since Conor McGregor got his boxing license in California, I think that's when I actually started getting, you know, I started building a head of theme there, and ever since then it's just kind of been, you know, them jabbing each other back, as, back and forth as far as, um, you know, trying to get under each other's skin, but right now I think that Floyd Mayweather is doing most of the talking right now, though. Okay, so, let me ask you this. I don't
1: know if you watched the Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather Manny Pacquiao super pay-per-view. Yeah, that wasn't... Probably one of the biggest disappointing fights I've ever watched, um,
0: considering the money
1: you paid for it.
0: Well, see, Mayweather's one of those people... I mean, I'm not taking anything away from him. He's a great fighter, undefeated, 49-0. Um, would he like to get to 50-0? He would he? I don't know. But that fight with Pacquiao would have been better if it was back during both of their primes. Well, But he waits till Maggie Pacquiao would be like, later on in his career, so it wasn't that big of a fight. People have been building up that fight for you know, almost going on 10, five, six years. So, I mean, when it actually happened... The build-up was amazing for everyone was going to buy it, but with both fighters being kind of out of the moment, back being more out of his prime than what Mayweather was, it kind of took away from, you know, what the the decency of what the fight should have been. Which leads me to my next
1: topic on this, and I don't want to dwell on it too much. If this comes to fruition, and we see Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather in a pay-per-view Will this be a bigger pay-per-view than Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao was hyped to be? Oh yeah, because it's finally that
0: crossover everyone's looking for, you know, everyone's talking about, you know, what's the truer sport, boxing or MMA? I think MMA. this is a great pay-per-view, right? Oh yeah, it, it definitely would. I mean, like I said, this is the first one you're going to have, well, I believe the first, you know, the big headline of, you know, the actual world of boxing coming into pretty much the octagon, or it would be octagon going into the boxing ring. I mean, like I said, it'd be a straight boxing match car mcgregor let's see how he actually handles just using his hands instead of his legs and everything else so i mean it definitely would shatter pay-per-view records i mean i don't think anyone would not pay money not to see that fight pretty much now uh moving on to
1: you know what a lot of us have been waiting for we are now down to four teams left in the nfl before we touch on that what led us up to where we are now Unfortunately, the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> lost to the Green Bay Packers to Mason Crosby field goals and a very clutch catch by Jared Cook, and Aaron Rodgers doing what Aaron Rodgers does. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, um, I mean, I I, I, I did pick the Packers to
0: win. Um, I didn't know it was going to be that close, but it was what it lived up to be—a very great game. Yeah, definitely. It would have, yeah, everyone said it was going to be the one of the best games of the weekend, and it was. I think honestly, it was the best game of the weekend. But surprisingly, we got surprised too by. The uh, Texans and Patriots game too, as well. That game was close up until the you know the second
1: half until that one kind of ran. Until away. Until
0: Osweiler turned into Brock Osweiler.
1: Yep. And then of course <laughs> you know Ryan or Chris Boswell, I believe, of the Steelers. You know six field goals.
0: six, six field goals, goals. no nope. touchdown. Yeah, not, uh, but I mean controversy definitely more controversy in that game because you did have you know going into the game the score was sixteen eighteen after Kansas City scored that touchdown late in the fourth. Got the two-point conversion tied up at 18, but then the two-point conversion got called back because of a holding call. Oh, uh, um, yeah. Do you think the refs, do you think the refs, you'd be that, you know, should they have this let it gone? You think they should just, okay, well, let's see what happens in overtime. But they didn't. They called the holding penalty. Chiefs tried the two-point conversion again. Failed. Pretty much lost, ending their season right there. So, I mean, tough way to go out on a season. Um, I never thought Pittsburgh would win a playoff game like that without scoring a touchdown, but. I mean, that's the kind of game it was. Yeah. Well, and then also, of course, the Falcons beat the
1: Seahawks. We kind of predicted that one.
0: Yeah, we called that one.
1: Now we are, um, as far as some other breaking headline news real quick, of course, the Oakland Raiders did file the paperwork to move to Las Vegas, so looks like it's going to become more of a for-sure thing. Yeah. Um, let's all go to Las Vegas to watch the <laughs> NFL team here.
0: Says everybody ever. Well, see, I think that I think when it hurts the most, I mean, this would be. It looks like it's going to be the third team moving cities. I mean, first you had the St. Louis Rams moving to LA, becoming the LA Rams. Now you had, and then secondly, you had San Diego going to LA. So you have two teams in LA now. Now it looks like you're gonna have the Raiders who filed paperwork to go to Vegas. The thing I I don't like about that. It brought up a good question though. Is Does that take away from the history of the team though? I mean, it's always, you know, it's, for a while it's been the Oakland Raiders. It's been synonymous with Oakland, you know. Everyone's gonna always compare the Raiders, you know, the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. Now it's gonna be the Las Vegas Raiders. Do you feel like that takes away from the history of a team though when you move a city that's been in one location for so long?
1: I, honestly, I don't think it does. However, you know, who's to say? Um, I was watching a clip on ESPN the other day that talked about too many NFL teams are moving. It's like no one's happy where they're at now and everyone's trying to get the you know, get taxpayer's money, whatever it is, and, and kinda uproot and leave. Um, you've got the LA Rams, you've now got the San Diego Chargers, and now include that list the Oakland Raiders. I mean, when was the last time you've ever seen this many teams make a move in
0: in the short span of Less than one NFL season. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's been first. Like we had one year, we thought it was a. At first, San Diego turned down the idea of ever moving out of San Diego, and then Philip Rivers said he wouldn't if he if they actually were to move cities, he wouldn't be on the team. Of course, his tune has changed ever since uh, they announced that we're going to LA. He's like it doesn't bother him as much anymore. But like I said, it's very unprecedented to see this many teams move to cities in such a short period of time. I mean, usually they think it would take longer, but it looks like you're gonna have two in two years. And then possibly three, and possibly over the next two or four, two to four years. So I mean, it's crazy. Definitely um, something we're definitely a big topic in the NFL right now. Is you know, was it due to the fan base of each team? Does it take away from it? Does it gain a new fan base? We'll see. How, right. We'll see. will we'll see how that plays out. We'll see out.
1: how it plays out. Um, of course, after rushing for just 72 yards over three games um, and an injury marked season and a disaster season for the Minnesota Vikings, Adrian Pe- Peterson made it clear that he. Would love to finish his career with the Vikings if they want to keep him around. Um, he's got a hefty, non-guaranteed contract due $18 million against the salary cap for the Vikings, and they will have to find common ground to kind of restructure his contract if he wants to stay in Minnesota. The news that made this week uh, on ESPN's first take was Peterson stressed that he wants to earn his way to the $18 million, but acknowledged the possibility the Vikings might opt to go in a different direction, which may very well be a possibility. Yeah. Adrian Peterson has reached the pinnacle of his career um, I don't know if we can say necessarily he's on a downside with just a small scale of games to go on. but
0: um, He actually had a couple of good conversations in that piece he did on first take. Well, one being, like you said, he announced that if the Vikings were not to re-sign him or restructure his contract and keep him, he said that he's only three teams that he would go to, and those being Tampa Bay, uh, the Texans, what was the third one, I believe it was? It was the Giants. The Giants, Yeah.
1: So you got to look at which team can use him the most. Um, Houston Texans—they have Lamar Miller. I don't think they really need another running back right now. What they need is a quarterback, and that's what they need to focus on.
0: Yeah.
1: I could very well see him going to Tampa Bay. And the Giants are not I that big it. either, but the Giants are a running back by a committee team. And they always
0: have been. Yeah. When was the last time you've seen a single back? It's 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 been a while for the Giants, but um, you know. Brandon Jennings. I mean, Brandon, I mean, it's been a while. You know, you got um I honestly can't remember. Tiki Barber. I mean, Tiki, probably, honestly, probably, had yeah, Tiki Barber by the last time. They actually had a solid, you know, one-back system in New York. It'd be interesting to see if he actually, like, if it actually comes down to this, what team he chooses. It'd definitely be interesting. I mean, as a Cowboys fan, I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, him going to the Giants. That'd be a nice little matchup to Cowboys seeing him twice a year. So, But another thing I found interesting in that is that they asked him how many years does he feel... Does he have left to play Adrian Peterson football? You know, MVP type numbers. He said that his his mind, you know, like in his mind, he said he wants to say seven years, but he goes, "That's really that's probably not going to happen." He said honestly, which surprised me. He said he still has a good, a good five years left in him. He feels like well, no matter where
1: he plays in 2017, um, just like this year, he insists he's got a high level, ready to roll. He's focused, he's tenacious, and he's ready to contribute for a team. Whether that's the Bucs, Giants, Vikings, or Texans, that's yet to be seen. We're going to find out what happens with that. Let's wrap up our show here and kind of get to uh, AFC-NFC championship weekend in the NFL. This weekend we find out who's going to be the crown of the NFC, who's going to wear the crown of the AFC. We've got the Steelers. Taking on the Patriots in Foxboro. and we've got the Packers heading to uh, the Georgia Dome in Atlanta to take on Matt Ryan and his crew of Atlanta Falcons. Nice all three of the games.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely both of them had uh, all the teams have had you know good runs this season. Uh, the Packers have by far probably had the best run, you know, four and six. They've pretty much been in the playoffs. I mean, been in the, pretty much been in the playoffs because. I mean, once you start four and six, if you lose anything, you're probably minutes out of the playoffs. So they've pretty much been playing playoff football since about halfway through the season. So, I mean, they definitely have been on an impressive run. You can't take away from what Aaron Rodgers has done. You also can't take away from what Matt Ryan has done this season, who's also put up MVP-type numbers. So I think you look at you have different two sides, uh, two stories of different games here. Pretty much looks like the Pittsburgh and New England will be your lower score game, like probably a more defensive game. But then you also go on the other side of NFC, and that's going to be your high-scoring game between two teams that have suspect. I can see that one going in a couple different ways. One, Atlanta is probably one of the
1: top-rated offenses in the NFL. Mm -hmm. The Packers are the worst defense in the NFL. Um, But I want to kind of start on the the Patriots and Steelers side of the ball here. Um, Tom Brady's career numbers, including the playoffs against the Pittsburgh Steelers, 264 completions. 382 passes with a 69.1% percentage, 8.24 yards per attempt, 26 touchdowns, 3 interceptions, and 113 QBR. Brady has a 63%, again, uh complete percentage, 7.4 yards per attempt. And what else can you say about a quarterback against any other team? I mean, this is going to be a, a, a great physical game. Um, three of Brady's six games played. Um even with just out, without Rob Gronkowski this season, resulting in a fewer than 16 panic points score for him. I still think that Brady has a great game this game. Um, I think that Ben Roethlisberger has a great game this game. And before you say anything real quickly, I just want to read one thing here. Um, from an article last week, the best quarterback the Patriots have faced this season, according to net expected points metric, was Andy Dalton. Among the 34 quarterbacks with 200 or more dropbacks per dropback efficiency, Ranked 14th in the NFL, Russell Wilson was the second best passer they faced, ranking 16th, and Tyrell Taylor was the only other signature caller the New England went up against who ranked in the top 20 in efficiency this year. Ben Roethlisberger comes in at number seven, best that they're going to face this season. They struggle a little bit against the Texans.
0: Yeah, I mean, but, well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Uh, This game is, I think, the more intriguing one to me. Uh, One, you had, like we talked about, The Steelers, who had an off week last week, no touchdowns scored, which is surprising when you have Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown as your three main, you know, weapons, and not scoring a touchdown. That's really surprising. Then you also have the Texans, who surprised the Patriots and gave Tom Brady probably one of the hardest games he's had. You know, he threw two picks. They're rushing him. They're all over. um, Javon Clowney and Merciless were all over him that entire game. So, I mean... Both these teams had bad, what considered to be off weeks. Both teams still won. But I think both teams are going to respond this week, which makes for a really interesting matchup in this game. Uh,
1: I, I think it, uh, it's going to be a great matchup here. I mean, if you look at Ben, Roethl- ben Roethlisberger's numbers over the last couple of games, they look bad on paper. But, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, if you've watched the NFL in the last 10 years, he he's a great quarterback when it comes to the playoffs. I mean,
0: he, he definitely knows what he's doing and come the playoffs. Um, you know, he's hoisted the Lombardi Trophy a couple of times. Um, Tom Brady has also uh, lifted the Lombardi Trophy a couple times. So both teams know what it takes to get to the Super Bowl. Definitely probably two of your... Pretty much this week comes down to battle of the QBs, honestly. Um, Tom Brady and Walkerberger in one, and you have Rodgers and Ryan in the other one. So,
1: I mean, um... Look at it this way, too, as well. Of course, we didn't see a single touchdown in the red zone for the Steelers. Uh, the Steelers scored in the regular season on 40% of their drives during that span. In their two postseason games, they've scored on 61% of their drives, which is better than even Green Bay's rate at this current point. The difference here, if you watch watched Pittsburgh's divisional round games and the many drives that resulted in nothing but field goals instead of touchdowns during the regular season, Pittsburgh scored a touchdown on 26% of their drives that's dropped 22 percent now. Um, going against the Patriots, I don't think they're going to struggle getting into the red zone because, really, no matter what team they played, they haven't struggled. I mean, the Chiefs are a great defense.
0: Yeah,
1: Patriots don't rank as high as this as the Chiefs did in defense, so I don't think that there's going to be any problem there. And I think if there was any bad game for the Steelers to have in this postseason, it was that Chiefs game. I think. And I'm going to go ahead and make my pick here. And, of course, for this game, as you guys know, every week, we're going to pick our our X-Factor, and we're also going to pick uh, who we'd like to win this game to advance on to the Super Bowl. My pick is going to be, and as you've watched later episodes or previous episodes, I've been saying I'm I'm in on the Steelers. I think that Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown, and uh, Chris Boswell at this point, have enough to, to, to upset um, Belichick at this point and get things done and, and pull off. I don't consider it an upset, especially with the way that the Steelers have been playing this late in the season. Um, my X factor here is really going to come down to which defense gets
0: more stops. Yeah, I'm going to take the other side of the uh, on this one. Um, you know, both teams, like I said, this is going to be a really interesting matchup. It's hard to go against uh, the four B's in Pittsburgh now. Uh, Boswell, Ben, Bell and Brown. But I mean it's Tom Brady. I mean I don't think that was four. What does that say? I thought you said three. Oh well four B's. Now four B's now. Was three, now four. But um, you know, it's they've had a really good season. Uh, you, know, you you look at their stats, but it's it's Tom Brady. I would love to see someone else get into the Super Bowl. I'd uh, see Pittsburgh get in there again, but I just think Tom Brady's been there more. I'm, of the just, I'm just tired of seeing I know, me too, Tom I'm Brady see in the
1: Super Bowl. Like, if, you're, if
0: you're just looking at, you know, the matchup, it's going to be a close game. I'm going to say it's going to be a low-score game. I'm thinking more along the lines of, you know, 2017. But I'm going to choose uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots to Go to yet another Super Bowl.
1: Interesting fact Patriots haven't allowed a 90 yard rusher in 24 games. The last time Le'Veon Bell didn't rush for 90 yards was week 10 in the NFL. This will be an interesting one. We'll see how it goes. Um, Our next game features the Packers heading to Atlanta on what should be a high outstanding, high scoring game. I'm going to let you lead off on this one.
0: Yeah, uh, this one pretty much comes down to which quarterback's going to have a better game. Uh, Pretty much both these teams have. Uh, uh, very questionable defenses at best. Falcons slightly better just because they actually have a pass rush and Vic Beasley and they actually have a better secondary than what the beat up Packers one looks like right now. So it's going to come down to which quarterback pretty much wants it more. You have Matt Ryan who's put up MVP type numbers all season long and you have Aaron Rodgers who since pretty much since he said we're going to turn the tables has pretty much been unstoppable. So I mean I'm gonna, it's, this game is really simple for me. It's going to come down to, like I said, quarterback play, but which receivers can you know, make the bigger plays. Jordy Nelson is questionable for this game. He missed last week's game against the Cowboys with that rib injury, so him playing this week would definitely give a boost to the Packers receivers. Um, but, you know, it's Julio Jones and that running game for the Falcons, I think it's going to be a different maker on this one. So I'm going to choose, as my picks lead in this one, I'm going to choose the, the Falcons at this one at home. All right, well, um, I'm also going to go with you on
1: the Falcons here, but let me kind of tell you why. Um, the last time the Falcons and the Packers played, who, if you can remember, was the leading rusher for the Packers in that game? <laughs>
0: Sorry, what was the question? Who is
1: the leading rusher for the Packers against the Falcons? Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, six (laughs) rushes for 60 yards. Um, If the Packers want to have any chance of winning this game, your leading rusher cannot be your quarterback. Tom Montgomery is going to have to step up. Randall Cobb is going to have to step up out of that slot position, which if 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 you're aware, Atlanta Falcons, they uh, have an interesting stat here. Atlanta has allowed the second most fantasy football points from the slot position this season, where Randall Cobb plays 80% of his points. If the Packers have any chance of winning this game, it's going to take a good game from Ty Montgomery. It's going to take a good game from Randall Cobb, and it's going to be a flawless game from Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has thrown over 300 yards in his last four games. If it holds well, and the Packers want to continue running the table, these factors got to come in. Yeah. Elkhart's got to fall into place here.
0: I mean, I, like I said, this, is, it's, this, this game is actually... It's going to be a high-scoring affair. Uh, definitely probably going to be no defense in this one. But, you know, it's just... That Georgia Dome gets so loud. I mean, especially... There's more stuff going into... This is actually going to be the last game played in the Georgia Dome since the Falcons other their new uh, stadium. Uh, pretty much start, I believe, next year. So this will be the last game in the Georgia Dome. And if they do win... It'll, the Super Bowl will be in Houston, so I think this will be their last game, you know, at that place. So that crowd's going to be rocking. It probably won't affect uh, Rodgers as much, but maybe some of those younger players that haven't been there before, it might affect them, which might actually throw off the Packers' offense. I think that home crowd would be too much for the Packers. Like I said, I'm going to go with the Falcons. But...
1: Um, my pick for this game, of course, it should be obvious, is going to be the Falcons. Unfortunately, I think the Packers... Um, but would it surprise
0: you if the Packers won that game, though?
1: It wouldn't surprise me because you know, I, you know, again, he saw what happened to Dallas, unfortunately. But you got the two-headed monster of Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. <laughs> You've got Matt Ryan. You know, Leo Jones. De- Devontae Freeman scored a touchdown five of his last seven games, and all nine of his touchdown scores in this game time period have come at home. Um, you also look at how Green Bay fares against wide receivers. Green Bay has allowed. 26 touchdowns to wide receivers, five more than any other team in the NFL. Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, Taylor, uh, Tyler, Gabriel. Tyler Gabriel, the Falcons are just loaded with weapons, which I think is going to be a struggle for a Green Bay secondary that is banged up. You saw how banged up they were allowing Dallas to come back, Jack Prescott and company blowing that lead. I mean, I, I just don't think that the Packers have enough to keep them on par with what they need to do. So again, my pick, Green Bay, uh, Atlanta Falcons, I think they win, not in a blowout, but at least by a touchdown. That's what I'm going with off my spread. Um, the current 60.5 60. Uh, game total for the Packers
0: and Falcons game is the highest in playoff history. This is going to be a great game. Right? Yeah, it's going to be an awesome week of football... Um... You know, all uh, riding on this trip to the Super Bowl for each of these four teams. So definitely going to be a slugfest for both games. So it should be a good weekend for football.
1: Yep. Uh, That's all, guys. Uh, That's all we have here today for Average Real Sports. Thank you for joining us. Um, If you have not, visit us at averagerealsports.com. We'll be posting our game previews. As well, follow us on Facebook, Twitter. And Instagram. And um, as well, if you guys... I uh, Remember, this guy still owes me a hot wing challenge for losing his fantasy football uh, which, we'll follow, uh, which
0: we'll be doing next week.
1: You'll be seeing it sometime <laughs> soon. If not, this guy's going to be curled over in a ball holding his nuts because he's going to get his ass kicked. Anyways, just kidding. Um, but anyways, guys, thank you guys for joining us on Average World Sports Podcast. We look forward to hearing from you next week. You guys have a good night. All right, have a good one, guys.